Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Doctor Who and Autism series. Today I'm joined by Alan, and today we're going to be speaking about Doctor Who and Autism, and related to both, so it's going to be really nice. So Alan, thank you for, for coming on to join me today. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be really fun to talk to you. Um, could, would you mind introducing yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, my name's Alan. I... I'm originally from the northeast. I got into sort of social media and TikTok a couple of years ago. Obviously, like everyone did with the pandemic, um, and I've met some brilliant people through it. I obviously share my love of Doctor Who, um, discovering a lot of things about myself. Um, obviously, autism being one of them, and uh, that's kind of how I get to where I am today. Yeah, yeah, it's it, 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 it's really fun, isn't it? Like um, TikTok, like um, like. I suppose, like, like you said, most of us go on there when the pandemic started, so it's kind of a good time, wasn't it, just to, to get into it? It was. It was a it was a case of me challenging myself, just trying to get myself out there and, um, I don't know, just build up my confidence a little bit because, um, believe it or not, I'm, I'm not a very confident person. I'm quite nervous. And, yeah, it was, it was about finding myself a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I was the same. Like, I never thought... I'd be on there just in Doctor Who videos um, about different things. Like I see that you you, you like to do. Um, I forgot his name. Um, the one from the, the Easter episode. That you, 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 uh, Malcolm. Uh, that's it. Malcolm. You, yes. You, you like to do your Malcolm video. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I I like a little bit of cosplay, but I like the challenge of coming up with the outfits more. Um. So I was a case of uh, what hasn't anyone done. And obviously, I think obviously Lee Evans brilliant, and uh, his character Malcolm was so funny. And I thought, well, I'll give that a shot. You know, it's it's a lab coat and a few other bits. I got a bit over the top and made sure that even the pens were the right color that were in the uh, yeah. in the pocket. And I've done it at a couple of comic cons as well, and people have obviously recognised it and, and and talked to me, which has been great. Yeah, because like yeah, like you're right. You don't really see many people do that, like Malcolm on there. So it's all enough to do. Like, I think it's always good to do the ones that maybe are just in a one-off episode or something. Yeah, I think it, as well, it's sort of give it's a good talking point amongst fans. I mean, anyone can dress up as the Doctor, and there's there's a lot of brilliant cosplayers out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, I do Rory a little bit as well. Um, and I, th I think going forward, I might probably see if there's other other one-off characters that I can do or maybe slightly less popular characters as well just it's just a bit of fun really um yeah so yeah it's quite fun because like I've been meaning to do for a while but I've just been been really busy to do like the you know you know the dream lord from like that the, the... oh yes yeah yeah I've, I've been meaning yeah, to do he's, him he's, because... he's an interesting character yeah because he, 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 he there's not much clothes to think of because I've got um, I don't, like, within, you know, Matt Smith's first costume that he wore as a doctor, mm. um, well, I kind of got stuff that looked like that, so I didn't actually buy the actual clothes. I, I, I like to look at clothes that are very similar um, and look at it, and the Dream Lord basically wears the same, he's going to wear the same as the 11th mm. Doctor, so that's very simple to do. Um, yeah, that's a good idea, that is. Yeah, um, I've done, yeah, that's what I've been wanting to do. Um one I have done that, uh, I think one of the first to do actually. Um, do you remember the the cube episode? Um, 
Yes. With the cubes. And right at the start, that there was a guy explaining about the cubes and the Wi-Fi right at the start of the episode on the TV. Mm. Um, and it, 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 it's really hard for people to recognise because he literally is a few, like a minute or two on the, the screen. And, and, yeah. And and he he's just saying about the cubes are, are, are in the Wi-Fi, that the Wi-Fi's getting attacked. And I did that one because... Mm. That no one is going to do that one because they're not going to possibly think of it because it's only a minute or two. Yeah, that's a good idea. That is. Yeah, um, but it, it, it's it's nice. To, it it kind of you're you're in a di- you act upon a, a character that you enjoy doing. Hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, what? When did you start watching um, Doctor Allen? I got into Doctor Who with uh, Christopher Eccleston um, back in the sort of the the 2000s when the the show was rebooted. Um, Obviously, I think I'd probably seen the odd episode as a kid, but not really got into it. And obviously, I thought Christopher Eccleston was brilliant. Um, Quickly got into it. The the series, throughout all of it, I kept up with it as much as I could. If anything, though, I think it's got just gotten better with with age every single new doctor that comes in every single new story that's brought in um i'm always so enthusiastic to see them and uh see what sort of new things they're in so yeah it's it basically new be my thing uh, and I, I don't think that makes you any less of a fan i think it's um it's just the era that i got involved in it yeah yeah it's i think it's like that, you say it's got better since Chris Wilkerson onwards. Um, there's not a doctor that, um, but I may I may like a doctor more than another, but I still like all the doctors, um, mm. and in, in their own way that they, they all show a good way to be the doctor. And 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 just generally, Doc, Doctor Who is like a comfort show that you can just pick up an episode, watch it, have a bit of nostalgia about it, uh, enjoy the quotes, enjoy the you know, the fun and the, the silliness about it. Um it, it's it's a very good special interest to have and it's yeah. Yeah, it, it is and like you have episodes that you relate to as well maybe. Um like like in the Definitely. show, mannerisms that they do, like um which can link stuff to autism um as well. Um like within doctors, um People send the same words in the show as well. Mm. I definitely think the the relation between um, autism spectrum, uh, I, even ADHD as well, and and Doctor Who is is, is quite a strong relationship. Um, just taking the character themselves out of the show and looking at their their, their mannerisms, the characteristics, they, there's, there's very much. As, as things you can relate to as a as a as a person that's trying to navigate the world as almost an alien because I think that's one of the biggest things about um, being autistic is that you 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 feel lost a lot of the times you understand what the social norms should be but you are blundering through life and just kind of making it up as you go along and the times when the doctor's is at his most awkward or or she is is, is the times when I feel the most connected to them. Because it's like I, I get that feeling, I get that feeling of not knowing what to say in a particular scenario. 
um, a few people criticised the the um, Jodie episode where Graham was talking about cancer and she just was lost saying she said I'm not very good at this yeah and I, I just so felt that there I was like yes there's probably a thing that you're supposed to say but it's not really. so sometimes that connection and I think that's why a lot of us um who are neurodivergent who relate to Doctor Who and relate to the character um because of that sort of alien um disconnection with the world sometimes yeah yeah no like like when you actually watch that, like and not understanding what Jody, the thirtieth Doctor, is going through in that in that moment, because like um, it's hard for anyone um, to respond to what Graham said, because it like you can't help that Graham is in that situation, and it's not Graham's fault, but it's like in his mind he would have been thinking probably. Uh, Maybe a little bit annoyed that Jody just kind of ignored her, uh, ignored him. Um, but but yeah, like now you put it like that, it, it does make more sense. And it's it's sometimes um, a, a neurotypical person will say something in that scenario that might not even be genuine. It's just what they feel they're expected to say because that's the social norm of doing so, and you you know you have to say something. But that's sort of like the 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 bluntness of being able to say, do you know what, I don't know what to say in this scenario. Um, and it, it, that particular moment made me feel like it's okay to be lost and okay to admit to someone that you do not know how to react in a situation instead of always having to have the right answers because I think there's a lot of pressure on um, everyone, to be fair, to, to, to come up with the right thing to say in a situation. And sometimes I think we need to be able to be honest with ourselves and go, do you know what, I'm lost here. Um, I feel something and I want to express some something nice to you, but I do not know how to do this. And I think for me personally, I would appreciate that a lot more if someone was that blunt and honest with me going, I get you're going through a tough time, but I don't know how to help, but I care. And I think that's, yeah, that's that moment there actually resonated with me quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, like, yeah, it's okay not to be able to help, but, because a doctor mm. is an alien, helps lots of people, but can't save everyone um, from certain situations. Um, and which, yeah, it, it, like, I'm not sure, like, where the cancer storyline with Graham went on from there. Because, like, he, he, I don't know if he if he fought the cancer off. I, I imagine he did because he, he was still there in the end and he, he went off. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that was the that was the thing behind it. But I think it was less the actual illness as more the feelings and the fear that it, it brought to him. And I think we anyone who's gone through any sort of illness could um can relate to that. Uh, that when it's when it's hanging over you and when there's a health risk. I think you talked earlier on about um about having a reduced immune system. And I think we can relate to to Graham in that moment because he felt vulnerable. He didn't know how, what was what was coming, what was next. Um, so yeah, there's this. I, I think that is the beauty of, of Doctor Who generally. I think there are so many human emotions and and um, life situations that it slips in. I think that is definitely the beauty of the show, and I think we can all relate and take take out little things and and and, and feel like they they connect to us personally. They, 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 they really do because, like, I think that that's why it's been going on for so long. Um, like. They could have stopped it, like, a few series in, couldn't they? 
really. Um, Doctor Who, um, like from the start, it could have just been a, a mini show, but yeah, and, and and then they had a the really good idea of regeneration, um, which is, is a great is it's a great idea and and stuff, but um, but yeah, like like you say, the Doctor is an alien, but really like pretends they're not like he, he, uh, like human when in, in hindsight they are kind of because they are really human mm. yeah i think uh, like i say that is definitely the, the the beauty of the show the fact it can continue reinventing itself as well um and uh, obviously there's a lot of people who have said things about chris chibnall's era and some of the storylines being a bit out of out of kilter with the rest of it but I, th I don't think it it matters i think as long as you can keep enjoying it and keep me they can keep making up new stories and throwing new curveballs in i think they'll always have an audience um they'll always have people relating to the show and like you say that even though the doctor is not a human character they do uh, spend their whole time sort of analyzing the human race or very sort of have an affinity with the human race which i think we feel I th not without going too deep philosophically into it i think as humans we would like to have a protector out there sort of watching over us a little bit it, it's it's a feeling of safety like somebody else is is looking on that actually cares about us as a as a, as a civilization as a, a as a species almost it would be nice wouldn't so it? yeah it's, it's yeah, yeah the, the the stories i mean the, there's so many heartwarming stories in doctor who as well of moments of like uh, good humanity yes there's a lot of bad and villains in it but the, the moments where humanity wins over um i think it encourages you and i think makes you feel better about the future sometimes yeah i, I agree and like it would be nice like that like i just have like you see all these blue boxes everywhere don't you know like just like it like maybe in in london or or like uh j just in random places and you think oh tardis is there I thought it's a fictional show we're getting told this is all about now. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, it does make you think maybe uh, this um, is all a dream that we're watching <laughs> on telly and is actually happening. <laughs> yeah, imagine. I, th I think as well, though, I think um, getting out off of the, the, the fictional side of things, I think the show itself is an escape. It, it, it is somewhere where we can go to enjoy our little fantasies of, of other worlds and so on um, without being too serious and getting too too complicated. I think it's just that right mix of um, of fun and, you know, just nice things to, to, to experience. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like you say, with, um, with, with, with like Jodie's era, it, it, like, it doesn't matter maybe an episode isn't, it, it, it's like in general, isn't it? Because you're not going to like every single episode in Doctor Who. Um, no. Like, like it's never going to happen. Like, um, like you, you could, even though you might not like an episode as well as another one, you're still going to watch it. I think whatever it happens, because you just love the show too much. Yeah. Um. Personally, I I found some of uh, the 10th Doctor ones a bit yeah didn't really enjoy them as much as others um, sometimes the the whole relationship with Rose is a bit awkward to, for, for my liking um, but the, uh, the, then there's people who absolutely love that that dynamic and that was their favourite Doctor so 
I think everyone can take something from it. It's been a puzzle. I mean, obviously, Love and Monsters gets a bit of a, a rap. But uh, no, I think every episode's had its own little bit of fun and uh, something we can enjoy from it. Yeah, yeah, because that, that, like, I think, yeah, that there, there's going to be episodes like, 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 like you say with the, the Love and Monster, like you'll get people like it, you people won't, and um, that, that like there'll be reasons that the Doctor Who's called because the Doctor has to be in an episode in every episode, <laughs> and. Mm. And then that particular episode, maybe he just appeared at the beginning and the end. Um, mm. which... But then you look got, only got to look at Blink, which was a very similar concept as an episode, which is rated as one of the, the most amazing ones yet. Um, I think the the people who the, the, who played the characters in that were um, amazing actors and actresses in that. I think that definitely helped. But yeah, it's hit and miss. I think anyone who's writing for Doctor Who, all the different writers they've had, they don't know when they're sitting, putting pen to paper, whether it's going to be an amazing episode or going to be a little bit of a, you know, a flop maybe. But again, it's I think they have as much fun as the as the the watchers do as well. You know, it's just just experimenting with it and having a mess with it. I mean, look at the Pating as a character. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, but it was also a laugh as well, and you 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 could see the comical side. Yeah, it the 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 pating was quite funny, um, like it was it, it was um that I think I think that was the episode where I think it was um, I think it was a, a gay couple had a baby. I think it was that episode. Yes, that's the um, one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. You... Some some lovely lovely points in that episode, um, but the 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 the, the villain, the monster, was completely ridiculous. But again. It's always going to be funny. It's always going to be silly, and that—that's one of the things I love about it so much. Just the fact that you can detach yourself from that reality and just just go. It's we're having a laugh. We're having. We're enjoying this. Yeah, you, you've got to have some fun in it. Like you can't all be serious, just fight monsters all the time. There's got to be some funny ones, I think, along the way. Oh yes. Yeah, um, but but yeah, like I. Like, like, like you said about like, um, m- like, Temp Doctor maybe not liking uh, as much as his episodes. Um, I was, I had that feeling with the, um, with the Twelfth Doctor's first two series. Um, mm-hmm. um, I did, um, because I don't know, I, 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 it, I just felt that I loved his third series, Peter Capaldi's third series. I thought that was mm-hmm. lovely. Um, I just felt, um, that the first two seasons were different and okay. it was a, it was an interesting dynamic between uh, the, the 12th Doctor and Clara um, and it was stunted at places um, I think it was intentionally that way in some respects because it was shown the difference between how the Doctor presents himself and it, it probably is, an, is a bit of a mirror to society to that ageism where you where a person who is older is maybe treated differently because of the way they look and because they don't look so young and hip and youthful. So I think uh, it had some interesting points. Um, but I think, yes, the dynamic was very, very stunted. And I think a lot of people struggled with that. It was in, it was good when it got to the Zygon inversion, that kind of time, in yeah. some respects. But like you say, some of the episodes definitely. But then, having settled with the Clara character with the 11th Doctor, it was always going to be a change. It was always going to be difficult for people. Um, and it tried to address that in the first episode. But I, don't, I think sometimes it skipped, it missed the mark slightly. 
which is why people struggled with it. But the, the Doctor with Bill Potts was absolutely amazing. Um, that, that dynamic was brilliant. And Nardole, as the, as the comic relief, as it were, was, was excellent. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, again, that might not be some people's cup of tea, but I think it worked because you had those sort of chalk and cheese characters, um, obviously bringing Missy into it as well. That was such a, an interesting dynamic. That was also a thing, I'm, I think, I'm going off on a tangent here, people realize having too many characters in the 13th Doctor's episodes, which sometimes I think there was, it was a bit crowded. But then it showed then with the 12th Doctor, Nardole and that, those sort of characters, that it was possible to do that and possible to make it work. So it's it, there's such a variety in writing. And as I say, it is a bit of a lottery sometimes when they write these ones. I'm just, I'm looking forward to what's going to happen going forward as well. Yeah, it's really exciting, isn't it? Because, like, um, like going forward from to to what Jodie episode is going to be happening in our last one, and then going forward with with Shooty uh, as mm-hmm. a Doctor, um, on the sixtieth next year. Yeah, I'm looking forward to all that. It's gonna be some. It's gonna be some good ones. Yeah, some yeah. sad moments, but there always is with Doctor. There's always moments that you're gonna shed a tear. I think that's a good part of it. Um. Like, like you gotta, you kind of think that in Jodie's last episode that people will die. Um, unfortunately, and not it always happens. Really, mm. each Doctor they always lose someone, and Jodie hasn't really lost anyone really yet. No, everyone kind of just wandered off, didn't they? So yeah, yeah, that's war. That's worrying. I don't, I don't want to think about that just yet. It's, yeah, it's all gonna be sunshine and roses. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you, uh, Anna? Do you? Do, do you think that Yaz will, will go on with the, the next Doctor into the 60th, or do you think she'll go? It's it's, it's a tough one, because I, I think from a writing perspective, uh, Russell Davis will want to make a fresh start. So I think he will get rid of Yaz, but I don't think... I, I, I wouldn't want that personally. And I also think that, um, that obviously having seen her actress being interviewed on on stage at comic-con and that the passion she has for the show um she absolutely loves it and i think she'd love to carry on uh, in the show so while i don't think it's ha- it, sh- it will happen i think it should but that's just my personal viewpoint um i think she'd be amazing with uh Shruti, so yeah we'll see i think they would as well actually um not that her and um, Jodie don't. Yeah, it, it's mm-hmm. just it's just saying Shooty from how he is as an actor. He's really energetic, mm. um, and like it's serious moments too. So it, it'd be really nice. But on the other hand, like you've got a new start. You've got um, near enough the whole of Jodie Whitaker's team leaving. Like, like yeah. that th- they announced the composers left it going now as yeah. well. Um, so it kind of makes sense for the whole the team and the has to go. Mm. It, it'll probably end up being more like a reboot than 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 a continuation in some respects. Yeah. Um, which is a shame because I think there's elements that should be should carry on, but it is what it is. Um, like say we could sit here as fans criticizing the show till the cows come home. The writers <laughs> will do what the writers will do, and yeah. they'll do what's going to sell and what's going to uh, keep the show's popularity running. Um, and whether you you love or hate Chris Chibnall's era, 
he's definitely got people talking about it. He's definitely got people sort of um, making up stories or th- um, uh, what's the word for it? Uh, hypothesizing the way things are. You know, you've got the timeless child concept and so on, and everyone's got about it. So even if it's been slightly negative to some extent, I think the popularity of the show will carry on no matter what they do with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think so because, like, um, the own like, I am looking forward to it um, because music is a massive part of Doctor and autism uh, as well. Yes. Um, and the, I think the only downfall that I, I would say about Jodie's run is that the, the the music side of things, um, because like, um, the music's been okay, but it it's not, um. Like it's not like, been Murray Gold special, has it? Let's no, face it, has, it. <laughs> it hasn't. Like it, like within Murray Gold, it, 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 if we were to say to each other, can you name like maybe a few tracks? You're about to do that, and I know he's been there longer, but um, but hmm. I, I could possibly name one, um, or maybe two from Jody's era, and one being the theme, and hmm. uh, yeah, it, um, he, he's a good. A composer, but um, in a way, I am happy that he's decided to go along with the others just so we can mm. have um, even Murray Gold back or even a new composer. Yeah, yeah, there's some some absolutely epic um, pieces of music that have been put in Doctor Who over the years, and you can hear them straight away. And you know exactly what episode it's from, or what story it's telling, or which character. Um, so yeah, I think that that's gonna. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah, because like, like, like you would normally get it with companions, and I don't think Yaz got a theme. Dan hasn't really got a theme. Um, you would normally no. have themes for companions, weren't you? Like in mm-hmm. episode, so like, like, like by speaking about a character like Donna, you, you know what Donna's theme sounds like, or Martha's, or Rose's. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if they, if the composer added that in, that may have been better. Like slightly. Well, I think we underestimate how much music influences us and uh, it can make or break a, a film or a TV series. Um, I've watched the most amazing films where you think this could be amazing, but they're just flat. And it, it's often to do with the music. Just to, if it doesn't inspire you and doesn't create a moment. I mean, look at the Marvel films. I mean, look at the, the Avengers films. I reckon took most of the music out of them. They, they wouldn't be as popular as they are, but that music is so emotive and very sort of like uplifting. There's definitely a lot in it to say about its popularity. Yeah, yeah, like, like it, it, it's just the fact like you take music out of something, it's not going to be as good. Um, and it is, it, it's, it's huge credit to the actors because they they, they won't have the mood. They probably won't have the music in. It's probably added in after, but they actually yeah. act the scene out and. It makes it sound better. That's one of the biggest things I liked about the 11th Doctor, about Matt Smith, because he could put you in that passion. And as I say, if you look you look at the um, oh, the episode with the, uh, uh, the, the, the long song, wasn't it, where they, they, oh, yeah. they're singing to the sun god type thing, and that, that, that speech he does there. And you think, like I say, he delivered that with that much passion without having the music playing in the background and then you add that music in and all in all that that the actor coupled with the music just made that and made it memorable i mean the actual story if you think about it wasn't actually that spectacular a story i think it was a bit silly in, in its concept yeah but 
it was it was Matt who made that episode. The absolute um, passion and, and and feeling that he had in his speech and in his face. I had a lot of respect for Matt Smith as an actor when it come to Doctor Who. He's yeah, he played that old head on young shoulders uh, very well. Yeah, yeah, he, he he did, and I've got that. That is my favourite speech, um, possibly in Doctor Who. Mm. Yeah, in Doctor Who, as a speech, I know there's so many good ones, and definitely Matt's mm. best beating the beating the Pandora open speech. I think as well. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that there was a there was different. Um, element to that one that was more of a sort of a powerful uh, speech whereas with with that one he was just the, the raw emotion in it um, well he had some good episodes let's face it I mean if you, you we talked about Vincent van Gogh earlier on before we started yeah. uh, that's going to be well, everyone, a lot of people's favourite or a lot of people's most memorable episode and again he delivered such a powerful performance in that as well as uh, the van Gogh character Um so he so did good. have some good episodes, but then Peter Capaldi was obviously the, the Zygon version speech. Um, he had some good moments, um, but yeah, I think that's that is part and parcel of 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 Doctor Who is the speeches about about the the special moments or like quotes, like we've been talking about. You know, just little moments where they say a snippet and it just resonates with you, and you it's very memorable. It is, and it is. It's really important because, like, you you don't know. How, it, it's so many, so many quotes and so many real lines that you you link into, um, mm. and, and 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 like with the with the speech that Peter Capaldi did about the war, um, in that episode, yes. it, it like really really relatable. Like what's going on, like within Ukraine in, in um in everyday life, and and, and that speech. Mm. If you, if you if you listen to that speech and see what's going on, it it's very um, it links him very well. It's very powerful, yes. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very good. Um, David, like, look, the, the good thing about Matt Smith is like because David Tennant, he was lovely he, as uh, um, he he was a fan. He's a fan favorite, isn't he? Mm. As, as the Doctor and um. Possibly people didn't think that there weren't going to be another one like him or a person that could possibly go up to that level. Mm. Um, what he showed, and and then Matt Smith comes along and he's just as good. And um, I think everything, like everything, David Tennyson besides Doctor Who is great. And I would say mm. the same about Matt Smith. Um, it's great too because like the the, the really good actors, and you kind of go on. You're not as well known when you're in Doctor Who as the Doctor. And then you mm. go, you get on to do really good things. Once your times, you've done your few series on Doctor Who, and then you, you'll always be the Doctor. You, people will know you and stuff all the time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, because like I am, I am, I am excited about the the, the new Doctor. Um, because um, I don't know, I, 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 I just think it's gonna be, um, it's gonna be. We got Russell back, and it is gonna be. It's gonna be like now. It's gonna be like for the sixtieth and Joe's last episode. Bring as many people as you can, like mm. from David Tennant's era, maybe, um, mm. more from the two thousands, and then or even old Who as well. You got a few companions coming back. You got Ace Tegan as well, haven't you? Yeah, um, uh, we'd love to see K Nine back too. It'd be, like, it'd be great to have him. Oh yes, <laughs> um, yeah, um, it it would be nice. 
um, just to have a reunion with K9 and, uh, and different Doctor incarnations. I think the, the, the biggest shame is obviously that we can't get Sarah Jane back, you know, so... Yeah. 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 Elizabeth Sladen was a, is a great miss to the Doctor Who community. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. she was brilliant. Uh, it was really sad because I loved the Sarah Jane adventures. Um, but... Do you know I've never seen any of them? And I, I, I keep telling myself I've got to, got to catch up with them. That and Class as well, which was supposed to be good. So I've some of the, the spin-offs I need to catch up on. Yeah, yeah, like um, I, I, I didn't, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if I watched the Sarah Jane Frenchies when they were out or a bit later on. Uh, I did not watch Torture when it was out. I kind of watched that in the the like the first twenty twenty during the mm. start of the pandemic. I because it it went on BBC iPlayer. Torture yes. did, um, and I'm not sure it's still on there, but um, I think so. I I rewatched it during that. I'm obviously I saw it the first time around as well. Um, but yeah, even even Torchwood as a, as a show was was a great spin off, and obviously the characters crossing over was brilliant as well. Yeah, cause I think when I actually filmed it, it was in line with maybe the possibly the fourth series or third series of Doctor mm. So they did well there. Um, because yeah, I, I watched it and then I thought everyone's going to survive in it, like, and then <laughs> you get to the end and like jacking. I think yeah. when were the only ones left? <laughs> yep. Oh, there's, there's some painful episodes. I think it just took all of what you we know and love about Doctor Who and just put a massive twist on it and it made it a lot more painful in a lot of respects. But yeah, there's, again, some amazing writing in that as well. Yeah, yeah, because I don't, I, don't, I don't think in, like, uh, I won't give you anything about class, but yeah, they didn't go on to do another series. I think I only did the one, like, yeah. in, in class, um, which I watched, um, but it, it was okay. Uh, you, you had actors that maybe you might might recognise uh, and stuff like that. Um, but um, I I I loved like um, when my, my favourite episodes. I, I I loved Sarah Jane come back into um, Doctor Who um, mm-hmm. with with David Tennant like during the end. Um, Stoner. Yeah, definitely. They were they were good episodes, and it kind of. Um, it's kind of like what I think Chibnall's trying to do with, with Jodie's, in a way. Yeah, it, it'd be nice to see some of the, the, the what characters coming back, and I think it, hopefully it'll give that nostalgia like we did in that episode there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because yeah, um, like why are why is it why is Ace and Teen coming back? Why is the Master alive again and the Cybermen mm. and, and the Daleks? Um, all, all all those type of things. But but in that trailer, I, I think. There are, there's so many things that we haven't seen, like um, because like what you, you think about it, that they, they they give a trailer revealing lots of people and lots mm. of can't I, I say spoilers because it is spoilers, isn't it? Like every single trailer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like they they wouldn't show that if there's not more people or more other stuff coming into that episode. Yeah, it's it's exciting. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be nice because um, it's gonna be it, it does give you Star on Earth kind of vibes, but it also gives you End of Time vibes too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, which I, which was great. Um, and it, it it's exciting. Um, like, what 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 do you think, Alan? Would you prefer 
that David Turner is because there's rumours, isn't it? Like David Turner might be regenerating um, or degenerating. Mm. Would you rather that yeah, or uh... Shooty coming in first? Well, th- what I've heard is, I mean, I, I really, I'm really not bothered. I think they'll do what's best for the show. Um, I've heard that he was going to come in as an interim because I think the the, the, the callback is to when uh, the, the curator talks about revisiting some old favourites in the faces. Um, so it could be that they put in sort of like a an interim doctor, as it were, that he, he regenerates into back into that. Like a reset, because I mean, if you remember when uh, Matt Smith did the re- his regeneration, he reset back to a younger version of himself, didn't he? Yeah. So there's always that option that it's it's a reset in between regenerations that it's not actually a, a whole doctor. It's just like it, it could only be a few scenes for all we know that he's there for. So I don't know. It's a, it'd be interesting. Um, I mean, obviously there's. There's thoughts of parallel universes. There's thoughts of all sorts of stuff that it could be, but I think that's the that's the joy of it. We can speculate all we want, but I think we just got to hold our breath and see what what they. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so because, like, I think I think they want to do kind of multiverse kind of thing, don't they, Doctor Who now? Mm. Um, where you you're doing that kind of stuff and yeah, it, it, it's pretty cool. Well, it's got to be if it's got to be if they're bringing Donna back because obviously they're going to have to try and tell a story around the, the, the whole memory wipe thing because it would be a bit it would it would do it a great disservice if suddenly they just really completely retconned the memory wipe because like oh that didn't really need to happen so i don't know i don't know how they're going to do it but again that's the beauty of it you just gotta see what comes next yeah that'd be good like imagine if like that's actually happening that i love flashbacks like you know, within series four, for example, uh, mm. like uh, even though it's probably not that doctor, like David Tennant in the sixtieth, but because of his new suit, maybe it, it, like there's so many different things we could say. But uh, all I want is flashback. I, I love a flashback, like um, David Tennant about to the tenth doctor about to wipe Donna's memory, and then like David Tennant, other doctor from a different timeline comes in. And mm. snatches Donna or something, and then he, he and brings him into his universe, and then it, yeah, it goes so on yeah, that's that's an that's an interesting concept, you know. Maybe this happens in between that then and then, so they have like a few adventures, and she gets dropped off back there, ready for him to do the memory wipe or something, you know. Yeah, you could squeeze him, squeeze that in. At the end of the day, he's a time traveler, isn't he? So he can do whatever he wants to some extent. Yeah. So yeah, don't know. We'll we'll see. But then obviously there's there's the thought that um, the new Rose character is going to be Donna's daughter. Mm. So that's potential mm. of maybe being after that. So yeah, it's all it's all on the balance. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it, it, it's great that they got like Rose and like a daughter um, because um, it, it's really interesting because they got Wilfred as well, haven't they? And, and the, whole, mm. the, the whole Donna Noble family. So it's going to be yeah. interesting. Um, I think. Oh yes. Um, didn't expect to see Wilfred back though, but it's it's nice to have him back. In yeah, there. he's he's such a sweetie, isn't he? Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Um, like I kind of got Wilfred vibes with Graham. I did really like Bradley Walsh's character. Um. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they could have done better with it, but I think I think Bradley was he's he's a great guy, and 
from what I gather, you know, he's um, and he loved being in the show as well. So and he brought a different dimension to it. And I think Dan carried it on as well. See that, that having the sort of comic comedian characters in, we've done a few, we've had quite a few comedians in, haven't we? Obviously having Matt Lucas in for, for Nardole. We've had um, uh, Lee Evans in as, as Malcolm, which you talked about earlier on. So, yeah, I think there's quite a, a theme of bringing comedians into uh, serious roles almost. So, yeah. yeah, mind yeah. you, I don't know if we can call Malcolm's role serious because <laughs> let's face it, he was just a caricature, wasn't he? Um, but yeah, it, it was quite funny, Malcolm, wasn't he? Um, yeah, I think Lee Evans likes that kind of silly, sort of geeky character, and I think he, he really enjoyed playing that. You could tell he was just living the moment, you know, enjoying it. Yeah, and I bet he loved the moment when he sees David Tennant. Um, like at the end, and he's like, um, "I love you" and stuff like that. I love you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I, I, I was I, a crazy. That was a crazy episode as well, you know, with the the metal flying things and the flying bus, and you know, uh, and Michelle Ryan playing this sort of like Lara Croft type. If you describe that to somebody, they go, "What on earth are you talking about?" <laughs> but it worked as an episode. It was really good. And then obviously the prophecy with a lady at the end about he will knock four times that became very integral so a very very pivotal episode a lot of respects that was you know there's a lot a lot in it yeah it it, it was really good um that easter episode um Mm. it it was really intense and like um it it was great because like the doctor hasn't got any of his companions like he's used to so it it was nice for that just to be Mm. on his by himself and not have everyone else. Yeah. Um, Definitely. It's, it's one of the things that I want I want to see with Shooty to start with, like no companions. Maybe a few yeah, just, of the episodes. Just blundering through and finding out who they are without settling down. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Yeah, because briefly for the Ninth Doctor, but it wasn't... That, that was the other way around. It was opposite. So you see the companion first and then Ninth Doctor comes into it a little bit. Mm. In. Um, but... Yeah, it, it'll be nice because that almost like that they just they spot someone needs help and then they ask, "Do you want to come with me?" <laughs> yeah, uh, it is a little bit cheesy sometimes, you know. And I think that's where they probably missed a trick with the thirteenth Doctor because they instantly paired her up with the first people she met. So maybe there was needed to be an explore, exploration first, whereas every other Doctor's carried on from a previous companion. Yeah, haven't they? So I think that's one of the biggest differences. Um, although Matt started off with Karen Gillan, but again, it was a very, it was a slow start for them. It wasn't just like, "Hello, join me now." You know, she she was she was a little and then she there was the disaster happened at the end, and yeah. So I think yeah, you're probably onto something there. They threw the character companions in too quickly with Jordy, which maybe her character would have developed better with just a an episode where she's just meeting random people. Yeah, I don't know. We're not the writers, though. We can only just we can only just make these things up, can't we? Yeah, we don't want to be the writers. It's too hard. <laughs> oh, stuff that you know. Yeah. And you can't please every you can't please everybody, no matter what they do. There'll always be critics. There'll always be people who go, "Oh, I wouldn't have done it that way," but we can just sit there and enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Like that's all we can do because, like, like as we say, like it's a comfort show. It's, it is a comfort show, Doctor Who, and like one hundred percent. Um, like. Like, are, are you bothered that they changed it to, like, 
New Year Day specials and Sunday's episodes going out? I, I think there's too much gap in between them, but I, I, I'd have a new episode every week if I get away with it. So, like you said, like I said, they're not going to please everybody. So I'm just grateful of what we get. Yeah, you know, yeah. just enjoy, enjoy what they what they what they serve up. Me too, and I think going forward that we will get more episodes, um, maybe more often. Um, I think especially with the 60th, I don't think like it would just be David Tennant and Kevin Tate uh, in it. Mm. But, like I'm sure there will be other people asked. Matt will definitely get asked. Um, <laughs> and hit, I, hit. I read something that Christopher Eccleston was going to be showing his face. So. Yeah. I I did see that and I I was I was confused if it was either audio or actually show his face. Well, we'll see. Um, I'll believe it when I see it. And if it yeah. is, I mean, I love I love Chris Eccleston. I love the Ninth Doctor. Um, so you you'll be very welcome if he was there. But again, I understand why you wouldn't want to be because I know he had some issues with it back in the day. Yeah, but it, you know, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, because Doctor is very clever now, isn't it? Because like I suppose they wouldn't. He wouldn't have to be in contact with the people that maybe he he didn't get on with. He could do it somewhere else, and then yeah. like they could put it all together somehow. Even maybe mm-hmm. just a scene, maybe. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I I love him because he's done some great work for autism, hasn't he? Um, Christopher Eccleston would be in like the A Word, like a series. Mm. Um, so he's a, he's a very um. He's a very matter-of-fact guy as well. When you see him, I follow him on Instagram as well, and um, I think he's quite no-nonsense as well. He's he's got he's quite passionate, quite a temper on him, but um, yeah, he's got a lot of things I respect about him as an as well. Yeah, yeah, he he he's he's done he's done really well for himself. Like, um, like he says that. He was in Doctor Who for a series, and like like we said, people gonna moan about it. But uh, like, like he says, like people should be grateful. I did that one series, mm. um, um, because he was great. Like maybe in episodes, maybe I didn't like as many as other ones he did. But um, like like the Jack of I I didn't really like that episode. Um, and the one we know with it, you click your fingers out. Like, that might have been that episode where where. You, Mate, um, the guy clicked his fingers, and that's right. Yeah, they were both the same episode. Yeah, they were with him, it? Yeah, that, that was probably one of his weaker ones. Um, but then it, it still came up with some amazing lines. There's still some great moments in that as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was. It was pretty. It was pretty cool. Oh, I, it, like so, so, some good lines because it was almost like Rose did the work for him in, in that episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it was one of those ones that it had to be, it had to exist so that Nick would, where obviously the episode where the Daleks had taken over Satellite 5, they had, had to um, have a setup to it. So it was it was an interesting concept. But yeah, the, I think there's always going to be strong and weak in any series. You can't see one absolutely smashing out of the park. You're going to get that kind of variation. So... Just got to rough and smooth. That's part of being a Doctor Who fan, isn't it? Yeah, we, we can't like every single episode. Um, mm. Otherwise, that that may be that may be a bit weird, I suppose, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, it's like it's like anything. You you don't have your favorite food every day. You know, it'll get quite boring after a while. <laughs> yeah, S- says says the autistic people who would probably eat the same thing every day if we could get away with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I suppose that's kind of autism as well because like you're not gonna like you are used to the food that you like to eat, but you may not have them mm. every day. But you like the stuff that you do. Um, uh, do, do you think that's why fans get so upset when they change doctor because it's like a routine in there they get comfortable with a certain doctor and then suddenly it gets changed and we yeah. don't like that change yeah yeah it's I, I suppose so <laughs> yeah yeah because yeah, like, like you're used to that doctor aren't you like, like yeah. now Joe's been there like uh, I think oh, I saw today that she she's actually the, the long she's done the most time as the doctor or like yes. had the longest thing. On yeah, because the they've been spaced out, haven't they? So it's been like best part of five years or something. Of, something yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah, and I was shocked actually. I, I was shocked because mm. I, I did think David Tennant was like did the most, but and then you had Jodie just. But he crammed he crammed a lot of work into a short time. But a lot of episodes were released. In yeah. a short space of time, compared to it's been quite drawn out and spaced out, especially because of the pandemic and everything. The filming was a bit stunted for a while, and so on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it does make sense, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. But um, oh yes, yeah. very exciting stuff. Mm-hmm. Very exciting stuff. But do you, also, and do you think that is that like because of like clothes as well within autism? Because the doctor normally wears, um, they normally wear the, 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 the same kind of clothing, um, quite a lot of the time. It may be up to two, maybe costumes, but it's quite mm. frequent. Do you know that there's definitely something in that? I think, uh, that's it, it's like a conjuring, isn't it? You see the same character in the same outfit, it kind of you relate to them, you know, it's like that's them, that's my that's my sort of connection to the world, you know, that's. That's the constant. So, yeah. And I think that's why we sort of relate to the characters. I mean, I'd quite happily have exactly the same outfit in my wardrobe. You know, maybe just a, maybe just a summer and a winter. That would just switch from one to the other, you know, that if I could get away with it. Um, but on the flip side of things, I do like colours and varieties. You know, it's uh, I like the, the, the flair, but I'd like to be able to just... It'd be my decision when I, when I switch something. But bearing in mind that I have a sort of a, a comorbid ADHD and autism diagnosis, so mine do kind of battle each other a lot. So one minute I want variety and I want chaos, and the next minute I want order and peace. So well, okay. <laughs> again, that, the aspects of that in, in Doctor Who as well, because you have that, I want to go on adventure, I want chaos, and then you've got that sort of this, the, 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 the social awkwardness and the... Um, you know, the, the repetitiveness and the, the same things over and over again. Even the fact that the top chameleon circuit stayed on the same thing for the whole time, you know, is kind of like, a, it's a constant, isn't it? It's a reassuring thing. The, the, the doctor leaving the brakes on so that it makes the noise. It, that's like a, it's like a comfort thing. It's like a reassurance, isn't it? Yeah. So subconsciously, the doctor's kind of searching for that constant, for that reassuring in amongst all the chaos. Yeah, like, so like, yeah, there's definitely yeah. some things to take from that. Yeah, like sounds in Doctor Who, like you like, like the TARDIS, like, like, like you said, the cloister bells, that they're, they're yes. really good. I like them. Mm. Yeah. yeah, normally when 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 things are going to go wrong. <laughs> we were talking about the cloister bells, weren't we? Yes, um, cloister bells and tenth Doctor. You said. Yeah, um, like the tenth Doctor, it was quite funny that he uh, when he said that, and he he wasn't very happy. Hmm. 
um, because, but I do like it. It's, it's probably one of my favourite sounds, and I wish it would get used more. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right, it, it's it's a sound that right, it'd be nice to have different sounds in stock two too. Hmm. That that we like. I think. Um, yeah. But but yeah, like like with food, like Matt, Matt Smith showed up really well with an autism. Like mm. Lemon Fowler, didn't he? Um, yeah. With, with with fingers and cuffs, he liked. He didn't like an apple. Didn't like yogurt. Um, I don't think he yeah. liked banana either. So, well, it, talking about uh, autism and food textures, um, it's interesting that um, a lot of autistics don't like fruit and veg in some respects, more because of textures, because it's not the same every time. Whereas you get something like fish fingers, which is a processed food, you know what you're going to get every time. You put a fish finger in the oven, it will taste the same and it will bite the same and it, will, it won't sort of create that. Like nails on chalkboard when you're trying to bite into something, it's just wrong. The same. So yeah, fish fingers and custard, while it's an odd combination, they're both constants. You know, if you know you get a packet of custard and you get fish frozen fish fingers, they're always going to be the same. So yeah, there's something in that I think. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that he actually had fish fingers. It would have been someone else, I reckon. Like um, yeah, it was, it was coconut sticks or something, wasn't it, or something? I that, think so. Did it um, for the sake of the actual filming? But yeah, yeah. yeah. See, when I I did I did a TikTok where I was um, simulating that, and I just used wafers or just like um, little beige wafers. Dipped in custard. I, I chickened out doing the real thing, unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Because if you think about it, if the fish in the fish fingers would fall out into the custard, and you wouldn't be able to eat it. Really, <laughs> It'd be a bit weird. Um, yeah. Um, I'll, give, I'll give it a shot at some point. You know, when I'm feeling adventurous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, 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 I might try it. Maybe. Maybe when it, the anniversary of the episode is probably next year now, maybe or something. Yeah. Um. Maybe a good time to try it. Um. I like when the anniversary <laughs> to come out for the for the episode. It's, it makes you feel yeah. old. <laughs> oh yes. Makes you feel old, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. So, was your diagnosis of like autism, ADHD, Alan, quite recent? Well. Obviously, I, I think I started out like most people did by by realizing there were certain things that were I was struggling with in the world, and I always had done. And um, it it always starts with a self diagnosis, and that's how I started. And I researched it and researched it and looked into it more and more and more. And it was it, it was a given. I mean, it didn't take a psychologist to tell a psychiatrist to tell me that, but it was nice. Um, literally two and a half, two, three weeks ago when I got my ADHD assessment, my final, final assessment. And the doctor basically said at the end, he said, you know, I can confirm that you are, you do have ADHD and you have the traits of autism spectrum disorder as well. So I, that was validating to hear that I was making it up. I wasn't um, barking up the wrong tree to, to actually hear it from a professional. I mean, the actual autism assessment is going to be i mean the waiting list is like four years or something at the moment mm. so but i because i've now had the psychiatrist who's con con confirmed those things along with um 
my other therapist that's dealing with you know trauma from childhood um as well and i've had professionals who've confirmed me to, to confirmed my fears as it were or my my conclusions it's it's a it's nice to have that yeah. But then at the same time, I would never say that anyone who's not got those professional sort of validations, I, I don't think they should feel that they have to have that in order to, to be valid. Um, I, self-diagnosis is 100% valid, and I think that's how we have to start. Um, I mean, yes, there may be the kind of person who would go, oh, I've, I'm a little bit socially awkward, so I must be autistic. Maybe, but on the whole, it's not the sort of thing you really want to say that, you know, it's not like I'm suddenly going to make myself this social pariah because it's cool. It's because you've been struggling with something and this is what you're seeking. You're seeking that validation diagnosis to go, what is it that's made me different or struggle throughout life? Because it is a learning difficulty, whether you like it or not. You know, everyone can try and spin it in whatever way possible. It's it's a difference and a difficulty that has helped made us struggle throughout our lives. And those people who are recognizing this now and, and going through whatever type of diagnosis they are, are they all as valid as each other? So that's my sort of take on it. While yeah. I've had the psychiatrist to, to confirm my diagnosis, it doesn't mean to say that it wasn't valid until that point. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it and makes sense. I think sense. I know what I mean. Yeah, like, I mean, uh, like, like you're saying, like, you probably have had, like with you a while but you you just I, I suppose as you get older you kind of see these things don't you like um, oh yeah like like when I was at school maybe I, I struggled and didn't ask for help or like I mm. I I, uh, I want to do it on my own and don't want to ask people to ask people to disturb the class or let people see me a different way so yeah. it, it, I think okay. I think the people who have got should we say lower support needs? Because I think that is the most gentle way of putting it. Those of us who can function well enough in society without needing our hand holding, be those those of us who don't go non-verbal or who don't um, struggle with basic relationships, we get ignored until and we don't we tend to get it. And I think uh, a lot of men did get spotted when they were younger. A lot of girls because all the the autism requirements were for little boys, basically. So now we are finding this sort of glut of people who had it missed when they were kids and who are only finding out through relating to other people's experiences or seeking help now and going, I don't know what this is. Can you help me? So you're getting that a lot now. And I think as people are becoming more and more aware, plus the internet is great. It's yes social media can be an absolute pain in the backside but it also helps spread this awareness um i mean you, you yourself obviously get involved in, in advocating for various things and there'll be people who didn't realize that they were suffering from something who then see you or someone else supposed and go do you know what i'm going to look into that now and they'll get the help they need so yeah whilst a lot of people had these these things missed as chat as kids now we're in a great position where we can start to recognize start to get people the help because you don't stop needing help with a, a learning difficulty or with any sort of um condition because you're going out of it or just because it didn't get spotted when you're younger you know if anything i think as the as you get older and you become more forgetful or you become more sort of you, your brain's not as agile as it used to be 
you're going to need support. And I'm finding that as I'm getting older. I mean, I'm 41 now. I had to think for a second there. And I'm not as able to sort of wing it as much as I used to. Obviously, being ADHD means that my mind is on a constant state of always being on the go. But I am slowing down to the point where I'm, I get lost a lot and I get confused a lot. So I do need that support. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I think the advocating and sort of sharing our experiences online is essential so that we can help other people find those um, diagnoses. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree because it does, it's very helpful when you see people talking about something that, that you have or potentially do have um, mm. because it helps you and like you relate to those things and it's hard mm. because like, it's hard. I see more people getting diagnosed later on now with autism, ADHD. Yeah. Um, I was fortunate because I was diagnosed when I was about nine. Um, yeah. But with autism, not ADHD. Um, but but yeah, it, it is hard um, to get a diagnosis anyway because there's a really long process, isn't there? That you have there to is at the moment, and and yes, it's a victim of its own success because. We, people are realizing that they've had this diagnosis missed as ch- children and they're seeking it now but that just creates a long waiting list which has been painful I'll, I'll, I'll say that uh but i'm just glad that i started the process yeah and, you, you and know, you're, so i can actually get that help yeah and and you're and you're on that waiting list now then for to are you yes yeah um i've i could go private um but it is, it is a lot of money to pull out and, uh, you know, I don't think at the moment, obviously the ADHD one was priority, so I went right to choose for that to get help quicker. But with the autism one, I don't think it's going to make that much difference in my life having somebody sign off a bit of to say that. Like I say, I have had the ADHD say that. And that confirms it to me as much as I need for now. So I'm I'm quite happy to sit on the NHS waiting list and just be whenever it comes along. Um, so that's that's my current thoughts on it anyway. I mean, it may get to a point in maybe a year's time when I'll think, do you know what? I'm I'm going to skip the queue and going to go private. I'm going to pay for this. I've saved up a little bit of money. I'll get that assessment. But I don't think it would make that much difference in my life at the moment. Um, yeah. I have the support out there. I have people who who get me and understand what I'm going through. So it's, um, I'm, I don't need as much support on the autism side as I do on the ADHD, funnily enough. Okay. Yeah. Cause like, so, so you got your ADHD done like three weeks ago, you said. Um, yeah. It, it, I mean, it's taken best part of a year and a half to get that point. Mm. Uh, various assessments and obviously admin taking their time. And I've still got another six months waiting list to get any sort of medication help for it. Um, but I feel like I've hit a milestone on that one. I feel like I've, you know, I've finally got there. It, it, it took some doing, but we're, we're there now. Yeah, and like, what kind of, how, what made you think about getting that ADHD kind of process then? Like, what come across your mind to, to kind of get that done? Well, it's... Uh, a few years ago, obviously, I, I, I've always struggled with social situations and so on. So, funnily enough, it was the autism that came up first. And my other half that, you know, had I thought about, you know, being on that spectrum. And maybe that's why that I struggled with certain situations. And I said, well, 
when I was younger, um, my parents often joked that I was, the, the doctors said I was hyperactive, but they thought I was just naughty. My parents didn't believe in anything like that. They didn't think that they thought you, could, you know, uh, t- you know, discipline a child and that would get them to be behave. You know, that was their their, their way of doing things. And as I've gotten older, I would say uh, the traits haven't gone away. I haven't suddenly turned into this model citizen who can interact with the world perfectly. So uh, as we, as I said, when we started looking a couple of um, the autism was actually the first thing that came up due to my social issues. And then it was a case of, well, that was mentioned when I was a kid. And that would explain this, this, and this, and this, do you know? So it was it was a natural progression, really, from one to the other. Okay. Yeah, so, like, yeah, uh, it, it's quite good that, that you got a diagnosis. But, like, on the other hand, like, there was kind of stigma, like, like, like with what you said about, like, people have ADHD getting thing to be like that they're naughty when they're not always naughty. Um, mm. It's it's that they need, that, that they may want to be, they may be hyper, they may um, maybe lose concentration. Um, yeah, it, it, like you can see that, I can see that in school, like, like people have ADHD mm. and they may lose track of time and stuff like that. Mm. I mean, it's, I, I really struggled because I'd forget, I'd do the same thing wrong more than once, and I would get wrong for being either disobedient or being, you know, class as stupid because I, I'd forgotten already that I'd been told off for the same thing. But it just, uh, it was very out of sight, out of mind, which is the way my brain works. Get, I get lost, I get forgetful. Um, yeah, so it's 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 sad that it's I've had to wait until I'm 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 forty to to figure this out. But at the same time, I'm glad that I have done. Yeah, yeah. It always takes time, doesn't it? Um, like, mm. with my autism diagnosis, um, I think my parents went private to, 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 to get that done. Um, mm. um, so it was kind of paid for. Um, so I got that. I would say within, um, uh, like, a number of months. Um, um, I don't remember awfully a lot of it because I was nine and... I remember having a few tests done, but I don't remember lots and lots and lots. Um, but it has it has helped. But I, I, I guess when you're older, maybe in life that it may be that like, like you say, maybe it's not worth it. But on the other hand, it's always nice to maybe like if, if you're somewhere in public or you, you can say that you have autism. Um, but on the other hand, people don't understand all the time, do they? True. True. Um, so you get a couple of different a couple of different responses to that. I mean, I'm not the team working at the moment. The job I do, they're very understanding, but you still get that kind of inf- inf- infantilizing sort of thing where they kind of treat you a little bit more like a kid yeah. because of it, and you know, you should okay type of thing, and that can be frustrating sometimes because it's like I'm not I'm not a child. I'm just you know, I just struggle with certain situations. You know, I read the situation that differently. Um, then you get the, obviously, the the dismissive side of things where, oh, everybody's a little bit on the spectrum. Everyone's a little bit ADHD. Everyone's a little bit OCD or everyone's a little bit autistic. You that kind of dismissive because, because yes, they may be, they may have or experience similar traits, you know, um, but they don't understand the, the, the actual impact that those have on your day-to-day life. So you get the dismissive people. Um, 
so yeah, you can't really win in some respects. But when you when when you're trying to work in a team, for instance, and you explain them the situation and you explain how it affects you, it is nice to have them and say this is what it is. You know, you can go in and do research, but this is how it affects me particularly, and it has helped me being open and honest about my work. Um, it helps people just give me that little bit of patience, um, even though I might not need it. You know, I've, I've been for 40 years in the world without a label, but it just it gives me something to call it instead of just being viewed as a bit weird. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah, people have always said that I'm a bit odd, a bit weird, and it's like, well, finally, I've got a name for it. It's because of this. And yeah, sometimes people need that. Yeah, yeah, and 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 obviously when you saying about like that, like people will say like, oh, oh there you have a little bit of that, a little bit of that, or I have a little bit of that. But it's almost like that you have it or you don't. Like you don't have a little bit of it. Like mm. like um, you may like maybe as you're going up, you may think oh, oh, I may be doing this or or this, but that's it. Like you're either you have ADHD or you don't, or you're autistic yeah. or, or you're not. Um, yeah. Because, I think the, the best way yeah. to explain it to people who don't understand it is um, it's like the volume on the TV. Everyone's got volume on the TV, but when you're autistic, it's like the volume's turned to 56 or whatever, you know, so it's it's overbearing and yeah. it causes actual discomfort. So, yes, everyone's got a bit, everyone can listen to their TV. Everyone's got a volume level on their TV, but not everyone's as stuck at 100, you know, not everyone <laughs> is struggling with it. So while, yes, they may be relating to a certain symptom, oh, yes, I struggle in this situation. Yeah, but do you, though? You know, and if you if you struggle to a certain point where it's uncomfortable, then, yes, maybe you do have a th th that th those traits. Whereas if it's just a bit of an annoyance, then, no, you don't. You don't have that um, because that's what autism and, and then to a lesser extent, ADHD are. They are normal human symptoms turned up to, like, high volume that, yeah. you, that you struggle with I, I mean i'm sure you relate to that yeah yeah to those the the, the the noise of being in a busy shopping center you know everyone gets a bit stressed out shopping but do you get to the point where you just want to sit down put your head in your hands and cry and you can't move yeah you yeah. know there's, 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 there is a big difference and it is hard i mean we as human beings we, we're not very good at empathy sometimes and the ironic thing is that us autistic people are often more empathetic um we kind of get these things more because we do experience them whereas yeah. not non-autistic people or neurotypical people might not be able to get that feeling and understand what it is like for us it's ironic that it's the back it's backwards isn't it yeah yeah i like a lot of what you say like about volume because it, it is it, it like in a, in a shopping center for example because it is like the noise like it can't turn it down unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a shopping centre, it'd be nice. You have that little remote that you could do that, but but yeah, that explains it really well. And like um, and going back to like like if everyone was a little bit autistic, like when people say that, or a little bit anything, like I don't see, we would all know about it, wouldn't we? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like yeah, um, really. And then everyone would be more considerate, and shopping centres will be quieter, and the lights will be dimmer because everyone was a little bit that way. But it's not. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it is a hard one to try and explain to people, but I think people are getting there. There's more awareness and people are trying to understand. So, and I'll, I'll never stop trying to get, get because I, I feel as someone who's got 
should we say, low support needs. Um, it's my job to pave the way for those people who do require more help. So if I can function in this world, I can be the voice for those people who maybe can't speak up. You know, um, I can be there going, this is how an autistic person feels in this scenario. I know because I feel it, but this person here might go into a complete meltdown because of it. So I think we need to maybe minimize this. So I, I have a certain privilege with not needing that day-to-day -day help in some respect to then advocate for those who, who maybe do need that more support. I feel a certain yeah. responsibility to do that. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree because we all, like we all ask, everyone will need help and it, it's <clears> part <throat> of life that we're not always going to be able to do things ourselves, but it, 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 it's just... It's just really important. Like when you talk about these things, like 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 you said, like now it is better. It's better now than it was like thirty years ago, where probably not many people knew about it. Like like in the nineties, eighties, for example, not mm. many people were like you probably get classed as a weird person or you wouldn't get a diagnosis. Uh, but like you moved on now, it's better. But still, stuff does need to be done. Like yeah. um, like you always get a possibly like a look at you like uh, what what why are you using um if you're disabled why are you using the disabled toilet if you are okay like you don't you're not in the mm -hmm. wheelchair kind of thing um so those stuff just needs to be done even though there are signs on toilets sometimes um, not but, all visibilities are visible yeah, yeah. it just yeah. visible yeah. yeah i know what you mean but yeah I th I th we can we can we can those of us who are struggling at the time can obviously sort of advocate for those who may be. Um, I do feel that responsibility to do that. Um, but yeah, I think we need to normalise the, the various different aids that an, an, an autistic person might need, like headphones in a shopping centre or, you know, fidget toys, stim toys, things like that need to be normalised and viewed in the same way as other disability aids. Uh, yeah. I think we need to, to, to get to that point. I mean, I, I tend to have... Um, a rolled up bit of paper as my sort of comfort thing. If I, especially I'm in a, in a stressful place, a stressful situation, I get a receipt shop and I roll it up and I've got that as my thing to help me. Um, it's quite innocuous, but some people have things that might make others more uncomfortable, you know, that little stim that they do. Um, but we, yeah, we've got to normalise and we've got to sort of educate people on this. Yeah, like, more, more doing like we're doing now, Ellen, I think hopefully yeah. it will it'll get somewhere and we because hard to explain isn't it like like all the time like repeat yourself very much so yeah yeah and then you just get tired don't you um of very, it. very exhausting yes yeah and and it, it links in these special interests like a lot we like to do and, and stuff like that and doctor who as well and yeah it's been it's been great talking to you about doctor who and autism today it's been it's been a nice chat yeah, I've enjoyed it, yeah. Yeah. Um, what is your quote um, that you like relate to, Alan? Oh, there's absolutely so many different quotes. Even while we've been talking, I've been thinking about them, um, about the different ones. Uh, my favourite all-time quote is uh, in uh, The Ninth Doctor, where he's getting angry at the Daleks, and he's like, I've got... I've got um, nine million languages and you haven't got one way of stopping me oh, yeah. um, i can't remember the exact way he puts it you know which one i'm talking yeah, about yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It, uh, it, so if any yeah. so if any, so if anyone's gonna shut up it's you 
and he, he it's that passion that he does that with. I think that's one of my favourites. Yeah. Um, and I, I loved his delivery of that as well. I love Chris Beckles' delivery of that. It's great. Yeah, that I I love that one because like it was when he was in the ship, wasn't it? And yeah, and he, he was talking to like the the god of the Daleks, um, mm. and then uh, uh, he said something or something, and then that all, all the darts were upset. Do not uh, interrupt! Do not interrupt! <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and then the 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 right doctor raises his voice, and then uh, Dalek kind of gets scared a little bit. Um, yeah. Um, because they kind of are human in a way, Dalek. On the inside, they still have feelings. Yeah. Um, so it, it's nice when you do that because you don't really see that. You have vibes from Peter Capaldi, I guess, with Ninth Doctor. Um, mm. but you don't have much Doctors kind of getting angry at the Daleks. <laughs> yeah. Um, like the way Ninth a, Doctor did. It's a very good moment. Yeah. But I say there were so many quotes you could go on. Um. Matt Smith in 900 years of time and space. I've never met anyone who isn't important. That one's one that I think that one resonates with me because I think every single person you meet in your life is has an importance and has a role to play. And I think everyone should be given that respect that no matter how uh, little you might think of what a person's got to say or what they've got to impart, there's a reason behind that and there's a purpose and they are important. Yeah, yeah. everyone is important in their own way. You may not like everyone in the world, but they're still important. Mm. Um, um, so yeah, like I, I, lo- I love the quotes that you said, Alan, because the first one no one said yet. So, <laughs> um, but that, that's really good, and the second one's really awesome as well. Um, I also yeah. like the kind speech as well, for, for, uh, the being kind. Yes, from the twelfth Doctor. I think that's really yeah, good. definitely. That's a, a good one as well. Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, there's there's absolutely great ones. We talked about the Zygon one earlier on. But which is obviously the scale model of war. Um, and the long song, uh, long song, of course. And uh, what we Vincent van Gogh, um, that that episode was full of just touching moments, wasn't it? Yeah, but yeah, it, I, I, I like the ones where he gets where he gets passionate and angry. So, like, like, say that ninth doctor one's definitely resonates with me because he just he stamps his authority on the situation. I think that's. The reason behind it is probably something I'd aspire to be able to do, to be able to take control of situations and say the right thing at the right time. Because you know what it's like when you get angry or you get uh, passionate about something and you end up talking complete nonsense and you think, <laughs> I, wish I'd said something cle- I wish I'd said something clever. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you kind of, and then you go back to the Doctor Who moment. Um, maybe the Doctor is probably angry in the moment, but tries to be, say the words as well as mm. he can. Um, because if he said the wrong thing to that doll, it, he maybe got exterminated. So, <laughs> um, That's right, possibly. yeah. Um, but yeah, I love those quotes, Dan. It's been, it's been awesome. I talk about awesome Doctor Who with you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, well, I hope, uh, I'm glad you've enjoyed it and it, it's, it's been awesome. All right, thank you. Thank you.